0: Romans chapter 8, we're going to go there in the Word of God. I want to preach, obviously, appropriately on the subject of Easter. And My heart's desire uh, this morning is to help you to understand why this matters to you today in a very, very real sense. I know that at Easter time there are visitors, people who may not normally attend church, that are here today, and, and uh, we're here, but... Uh, This is more than just an observance We're not in a museum just commemorating something that happened a long time ago. We believe what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago means everything today and I want to try to articulate that I was in China a couple of weeks ago and while we were there uh, They took us to an island that sits in the Pearl River out in, in the city of Guangzhou very very old city used to be called Canton and there on this island uh, uh, when Europeans first began to make their way to uh, China they were only permitted to live on this island and uh, you go onto this island and you feel like you're in France the buildings the structures are all very European very Western very very beautiful uh, they had uh, trees that they had uh, uh, set up. And uh, like I said, it would be like if you were living in Europe. And as we are walking by, building, the structures are very old, a couple of hundred years old. We, we come across something that, I was, that really struck me, and that was a stone uh, building, much like you might see around the Alamo here, but a tree had broken through the masonry, wrenched it aside, and this tree had come looks like out of the wall of a house and continued to reach to the heights like all the other trees around it. And I would just it just caught my attention because you know, here's this tree. At one point, that tree was nothing more than a tiny little seed. That's all it was. A seed that you could pick up, you could throw away. At some point, it was a sapling that a little child could have reached in and pulled out of the ground. And yet, that same seed and that same sapling would have so much strength that it had the ability to wrench aside stone masonry on buildings that existed for 200 years, have survived storms. And yet, that tiny little seed had the power to push that aside and continue all the way until it reached its appointed height. God put that power in that seed. The power in that seed is indescribable. It is something that you and I can't contemplate. And yet, the point I want to make this morning is that that same power that is in that seed is the same power that you can have that can change your life today. Think about China. 1947, 1948, the communist revolution in China. When that took place, they say that 20 million Christians were killed in that nation. 20 million. Mao Zedong's wife said that the only place you will find Christianity in China is in a museum. And the problem with that statement is this. The gospel is a seed. It has a life force so that they tell us today, even after all of that, China is on pace to be the most Christian nation in the world in about 20 years. She was wrong, in other words. And all the persecution, all the hindrances, all the obstacles, everything that they tried, the seed continued to grow. And guess what? It has wrenched aside communism and totalitarianism and the gospel continues to grow in China. What does that mean for you? It means that that same power can live inside of you maybe today your problem isn't communism or totalitarianism perhaps the stones in your life is drug addiction or alcoholism or a terrible temper or pride I've got good news this morning The gospel seed can live uh, and it has the power to tear those things aside uh, and Jesus Christ can change your life. I want to preach a sermon just for a few minutes on resurrection power. I want to read from Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The Apostle Paul says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you... He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, but to live according uh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God These are the sons of God. Father, I pray this morning for anointing. God, I pray for men and women who are seated here today that though they look good on the outside, they are miserable on the inside. They are bound by habits and addictions, and they no longer believe that they can change. Father, I pray, show them the resurrection power of Jesus that can cause even their dead bodies to live. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let me talk to you about dead bodies. So here we have the book of Romans. The book of Romans is the Apostle Paul explaining the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who are not Christian. And one of the things that he does is he makes the effort to show how Christianity differs from religion. May I say to you this morning, to the Apostle Paul, not all religions were the same. Paul did not believe that there are many paths to the same God. And he makes time to make that clear. And one of the ways that he says Christianity is not only different but superior to all other religions is the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. I've got news for you this morning. Muhammad didn't raise from the dead. Buddha didn't raise from the dead. Every other religious leader uh, didn't raise from the dead. Uh, but you can go to that tomb and see what many millions of people have seen uh, that have made their way uh, to Jerusalem, and that is that he's not there. He's risen. Can you say amen? amen. But then he goes a little bit further in this, take, uh, in this text. Uh, as he talks about the resurrection, and this is what I want to preach on. In our text, uh, he says that the spirit of him... Who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. And what he is saying to people is that same power that caused Jesus Christ to raise from the dead can live inside of a man or woman who is bound up in sin, who is lost, And that resurrection power can live in you and has the power to lift your life from whatever holds you down today. And he uses the term mortal bodies. Well, we don't usually use the term. We use the term dead bodies. The Apostle Paul says that we are living in dead bodies. That man this morning, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what gender you are or what religion you are, if you have no religion at all, you're living in a dead body. And what he means by that is that we all have a problem and that our problem is our own sinful nature. That we, we fight as much as we can, but in the end we are slaves to sin. He's referring to our fallen nature, our addictions, our habits, our anxieties, our uncontrolled passions. Listen to how he described it. I'm using the modern translation here. He says that our sinful nature is repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. I mean, no, oh, that sounds like twenty-first century America. Says so this is man's problem. They live in dead bodies. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter how many self-help and improvement books they listen to. It doesn't matter all the positive poetry and, uh, you know, today is the, is the first day of the rest of my life uh, and uh, uh, Lord teach me to accept the things I cannot change. And on and on and on. We can have slogans uh, pasted everywhere, but the problem is that we live in a dead body. There are now over fourteen thousand rehab centers in the United States. If you want I talked about investments in our Sunday school, you want an investment? Invest in rehab centers because they're a hot item today. I'm not lying to you. This is, they talk about this now in business magazines and uh, hot uh, uh, commodities and, and places to put your money. And uh, everybody just set up a rehab center uh, because there's so many addicts uh, and they will get insurance companies to pay the bill. Uh, everybody, you know why? Because we live in dead bodies. Because people that uh, can tell you, I know my problem. I can articulate and give you all the information, but that means absolutely jack when it comes to how they live their lives you are living inside a dead body. Pretty soon you figure out that education and information is not enough. Listen to how the Apostle Paul described it. He said, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, that I do. Can you identify with that? Do you know what it is to, to, uh, to have high and lofty aspirations, to say, "Man, you know, I'm going to do this, man, I'm going to do that." He goes, but what I want, I don't do it." You know what? I said, I'm changing my I'm dropping this weight. I'm getting rid of these cancer sticks. I'm dumping my wine. I'm going to delete those photos off my phone. And you have it. But he said, I don't do it. He goes, but the thing I hate to do, there I did it again. All the education, all the information. He said, sin is living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. We're living in dead bodies. He says, this is the problem with people. You know, we become we very, very religious, you know. We can talk the talk and say praise the Lord and, and on and on and on. He had, but, but when it comes down to actually living life, he says, that we, we're trapped inside this dead body. And, and the fallen nature and sinful human nature. And think about the product of that. How many broken homes, how many broken marriages there are this morning? How many, how many of ruined lives are driven by the fact that people live in a dead body? And, and, and they can get all the information that they want, but their lives are on the verge of ruin. Now, let me just take this a little bit further before I move on. And that is that the cruel thing about the world we live in is it tells you it's okay to live in a dead body. You got a habit? You got an addiction? Ah, right, you know what? Uh, that's okay. That's accept that that's fine. You're born this way. It's your genetic composition. And so the message of the world today, here we are trapped, we want we should change, we want to change, but we don't change. And they come along and say, you don't have to change. And the very idea that you're discomforted with what you are is because of, of your religious training and all this stuff. You know, that's why the problem isn't your, your, your sinful nature. The problem is that people who are pointing out your sinful nature. The state of North Carolina passed a very... Very wise law. want to know where we are today in 2116? The state of North Carolina passed a law that said, in all government buildings, including schools, you have to go to the bathroom of the gender that your birth certificate says that you are. Boys go to the boys' restroom. Girls go to the girls' restroom. I mean, no, we're in trouble when you have to pass a law to explain that. And as a result of that, Large national companies say we will not do business in North Carolina because boys have to go to the boys' restroom and girls have to go to the girls' restroom. That's where we live today. A little girl, let's say, let's say a girl that has anorexia, can stand in front of a mirror and feel fat. You tell that little girl, you say, to her, dear, you're not fat. In fact, you're malnourished. You're way underweight. Look at yourself in the mirror. Let's put you on a scale. You should be weighing 100 pounds. You weigh 80 pounds. No, no, I feel fat. And we say, that little girl has some sort of mental disorder. She has some sort of emotional problem. She does not see herself correctly. That little girl can grow up, look in the mirror and say, I'm a man. And we say, well, I guess you're a man. Instead of saying, no, 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 that person has a mental and emotional disorder, Biologically, you're not. Oh no, I feel that way, and so you feel comfortable going into the men's restroom or vice versa. That's utter nonsense this morning, but that is what our world says. Oh no, no, it's it's not your problem. You are the way you are. What a cruel thing! When a thirteen-year-old boy is wrestling with human sexuality and identity, and you come along and say, "Well, maybe you're homosexual." What a terrible thing. Oh, no, no, your, your addiction is just a disease. It's like you caught a cold. Nobody changes anymore. You're in your dead body, and you better get used to it. That's cruelty this morning. To take away hope is cruelty. And the Apostle Paul says the problem with mankind is that we're living in dead bodies. He knows who he's talking to these people want to they want to have a nice talk about all the different religions he says forget that let's get down to the brass tacks you got a dead body and you got to deal with it like anybody else let's talk about resurrection power because he offers hope and that hope is this you know Jesus that rose from the dead can you imagine the incredible power to raise someone from the dead that power is available to you he will give life to your mortal bodies we need to let this sink in The life force that raised Jesus from the dead is available to every person seated here this morning. See, when we think about the resurrection, we tend to think about the resurrection as proof of the divinity of the Lord Jesus, that Jesus is God. And guess what? It absolutely is proof. Not only that, we tend to think of the resurrection as proof that there's life beyond the grave, and it absolutely proves that. But it's more, he says the resurrection of Jesus is proof... That a person living in a dead body can change. That that life force, that resurrection power is available this morning. And that means that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter how bad you feel trapped today, resurrection power is available to you. You may be feeling hopeless in your situation today. You may have come to this building feeling like the biggest hypocrite, the biggest phony in this place. You may have walked in this building, you know, every, been to every program, you know how to talk, uh, all the, uh, the, the, the talk uh, of the druggie, you know all the rehab uh, language, uh, but you're no better off. Resurrection power is available for you today, he says, Give life to your mortal body. I don't have a 12-step program for you today. I don't have any cycle babble. I'm not going to connect you to some process where you just go through booklets and booklets of questions and answers so we can get some government funding. That's not what the apostle says. He says, if you could get Christ to dwell in you, the power of that presence is going to change you. Matt Spotschek is here this morning. Matt is an evangelist, but Matt's also a green thumb evangelist. And uh, for many years, he's always given me advice about yards. and I've never taken it, but he gives it to me anyway. <laughs> but he'll come and he'll point out uh, why things aren't growing. And I remember many years ago, Matt was at my house and he was looking at my dead lawn. and, and uh, But he gave me this advice and, and uh, I hope he remembers it. Amen. And, uh, but he said, you know, if you want, your, your, the way you deal with a dead lawn is you need to plant new grass. He says, if you will plant new grass, the life of that grass will begin to go against the death of all those weeds. The answer to death is life. If you could plant something that is living, that which is living has the power to grow, the power of a seed. It has the power to grow, and as it grows, it has the power to change. Your life right now may look like your backyard, covered in weeds. Dad, nothing growing there. Uh, the only thing growing is the lizards. And, uh, you know, it's like, this is terrible. You know, and you say, what's the answer? I can go and pull the weeds and all that. But, but no, the answer is if you could get life inside of you, that life has power. That seed has power to push things aside. Listen to how Peter put it. He said, we have been given exceeding great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust Peter says change to a Christian comes not by rules not by just giving people a list of things to live by a code to follow that doesn't change a person he says what changes a person is if you could connect them to the divine nature that if you could connect them to the life of God, that life force will begin to work inside of us and it will begin to transform us. How many people look at Christianity as a bunch of rules? They're going to start following the Ten Commandments. They answer an altar call and say, Lord, I'm going to try harder. God, I, I, I know this is your standard to live by and I'm going to try to live by it and, and that sounds admirable, but guess what? You're going to fall into the same trap the apostle Paul described. You're going to mentally ascend to it, uh, but the problem is that dead body. The answer, Paul says, is that life force, that resurrection power can dwell in you. Peter says you can partake of the divine nature. The life of God can live inside. And if it doesn't live inside you, all your best ambitions will fall short. I remember years ago I read an article about a they discovered a dead body in a car parked on the side of the road in San Diego. And uh, when they investigated, what was interesting is that on the windshield of that car was a citation a police citation a policeman apparently had gone up and seen the man in the car didn't know he was dead he thought he was asleep so he gave him a ticket for loitering I mean no uh, laws mean nothing if you're dead (laughs) oh beloved that is exactly what many people's religion looks like you're all worried about loitering but you're dead and Paul, he's appealing to that and saying, come on now, you're, you're dead, nothing's happening. Life can be put inside of you. The Apostle Paul put it this way in another place. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away and everything becomes new. Have you ever thought about what he's saying there? Because where have we heard that word before creation? The story of creation is true in every Christian you may not know a lot of the Bible, but I bet you know the, some of the first words of the Bible. Genesis 1, And God said, Help me out here, amen. And God said, <laughs> Let there be light. The Bible says that, the, 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 that the, the, the Spirit moved upon the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light the Bible says God separated the light from darkness you know who would have thought in the very first words of the book of Genesis would be the story of every Christian's conversion because every Christian began that way we were in darkness and God's words came into our lives and there was light and light was separated from the darkness And all of a sudden you and I who had spent our entire lives walking in darkness uh, We had an encounter with the gospel uh, The light was shown and you know when you see the light guess what now you can see the darkness And there was a separation something happened and the story of creation Paul says is true in every believer again. It is that same Creative power where God begins to come inside of a life and he begins to make us fruitful He begins to cause things to grow. He begins to give purpose and destiny in our lives. Many of you, if you could go back to when you were first saved, think about the radical changes in the first one, two, three years of your salvation. Think about what God did. And you're looking back. What is that? That would have looked like the first six days of creation. It's life and blessing and fruitfulness and things began to grow. That was not the product of our hard work and our discipline and our determination. Oh, no, no, my friend. Uh, It was the life of God inside of us uh, and it was bringing and sprouting in every direction. Gadron demoniac has an encounter with Jesus and the Bible says a man who ran naked, who had lost his mind, tormented. And the Bible says when they came, they found him seated and clothed and in his right mind. The life of God touched this man and it broke through all the cement and masonry uh, of bondage and mental torment and shame and guilt. Uh, Wrenched aside, uh, and people came and they found a normal, healed man because of the life of God is in them. Listen to me. I want to make a statement here before I turn to the next point. You that are working with new Christians, Encourage the life of God in them. Don't load them down with a bunch of rules and regulations. What happens many times is people get saved and God's touched them and we want to help them but helping them but you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to get rid of this, you need to get rid of that. I'm telling you, when the life of God's working in a person, they're growing and things begin to be shoved aside. But trying to correct them and being the church policeman is not helping. If, If Christ doesn't dwell in us, folks, all the rules will mean nothing. Unless there's that reality of God, the promise that he can dwell in us and quicken and make alive this dead body, and God begins to change. Let me close then and talk to you about death before resurrection. How do you get to the point where resurrection takes place. It's simple. You've got to die. I have a question for you right now. It doesn't matter if you're a churchgoer or you're a visitor. Are you tired of sin? They call it hitting bottom, don't they? When you become so sick of yourself, when you come to that point where you admit, you know what, all my fancy talk and all my lofty... Aspirations mean absolutely nothing. I am messed up. I've hit bottom. I mean, really, if you were to read Romans chapter 7, where Paul describes this conflict between wanting to do good and never doing good, and he moves right into chapter 8, which is what we're reading this morning, he is describing coming to the point where you say, you know what, I am messed up. And if there's going to be a resurrection, then I have to die. So long as I fight to maintain the appearance, I'll never resurrect. But when I finally say, God, I need you to change me. Listen to how he put it "For If you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you think that you're going to somehow team your dead body, he says you're going to end up being tormented and ruined, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He said, God, I need you to resurrect me and I must put to death the deeds of the body. And that means I am going to judge this, I am going to call sin, sin, I am not going to make excuses. I'm not going to allow CNN to define who I am. I'm going to trust God's word. I'm going to believe God and say, God, I I am done. And I don't want to be a religious sinner. I need the life of God to dwell in me and to lift me up. And he says, as many as are led by the Spirit... They are the sons of God. Let me ask you a question as I get ready to finish here. Who or what is leading you right now? Are you being led by an addiction? Are you already like, I got to hurry up and take my pill or smoke my weed, drink my wine? What's leading you this morning? Are you being led by your sinful nature? Is that dead body telling you what to do? Are you sitting in this room angry and upset right now? Because he says it doesn't have to be that way. You can be led by the Spirit. I know that religion has done violence to that term, and we all meet religious kooks, you know, that are always led by the Spirit here and led all that. I'm not talking about that. What he's referring to is the life of God inside of a person now directs us instead of the old nature. How many of you coming to church this morning drove right by a bar that you used to be led into all the time? How many of you that since you got saved, there are places you no longer go, but now you're on your way to the house? Why? Because you're led by the Spirit. Because the life of Christ inside of you has so radically changed you that it's like you have a new navigation system. And whereas before it was off to the drug pusher or off to this or off now, the life of Christ in you, that wasn't just pure choice. It was the life of God has now directed you in an entirely different place. Who's leading you this morning? And I'm telling you, if you're ready to come and say, Lord, I lay it down. I lay down my sin. I lay down my pride. I need your resurrection power. I need you to just dwell in me. I no longer want to be led the way I used to be led. Let me just tell you this story and we'll pray. I'm looking around. So yesterday, um, this, all this is on my mind, and I had a chance to talk to my neighbor. I'm looking around to see if my neighbor came this morning because he said, man, you, you exposed me. I don't think he's here. If you're here? Sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> But, um, you know, we talked from time to time, but I hadn't talked to him in quite a while, but I was actually going out to to try to run so I don't collapse at the 5K. And he was out doing his lawn, and so we just kind of said, I walked over and just started talking to him. And very interesting, because he started asking me about the election, and uh, who he's for, and who she's, and all this stuff, and... um, and, you know, and so I'm, we're talking, and I don't want it to turn political, because I know it can be, but I'm at the same time, you know, making my case about how evil she is. But anyway, we were, we were having this <laughs> conversation. But it was very interesting to me, because he said to me, he said, well, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. He goes, that's the way I feel about religion. He knows I'm a pastor, you know. And, and so, you know, he's an educated man, and he basically was saying, you know, you can study all the religions, and see how people are, and now that it's different. And so, you know, I realize that he's getting ready for me to have this talk on comparative religions, and, and on and on, and, and, uh, and so we're talking. And, and so as he's laying his case out, because he's, he's an elderly gentleman, he's traveled the world, he's educated, on and on. And and so I said, well, that's not how it happened for me. I said, I didn't sit around and study the world's religions and then decide which one to join. I was a convert to Christianity. And I could tell that kind of struck him. I'm a convert. When I was 16 years old, I was a long-haired druggie. And somebody told me that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he could forgive my sin. And I was full of shame and guilt. I didn't decide, I didn't look at all the different religions. I was sinking in sin and Jesus Christ reached out his hand to me. And I grabbed a hold of his hand and guess what? He pulled me out of sin and he set me free. I don't know anything, I'm not here to discuss all the other religions. I can only tell you that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that power reached down and guess what rose me up from a curse of alcoholism and death that I was on my way into. That is how I know Jesus Christ. You know, it's very interesting, just like here in this verse, when I talk to him about sin and shame and guilt, I can feel it resonating. Because for all the lofty platitudes and philosophies that people have, we still have to deal with our dead bodies. And this morning, you may not understand a lot, but you can understand this. You're sinking in sin and you know it. Jesus Christ is reaching out to you right now. He can pull you out. That same power that raised him from the dead can raise you. Let's bow our heads. That is the power of the gospel. It does not matter who you are. It's universal, folks. We're sinners, every last one of us. Bound by sin. Tormented. Ashamed. Lonely. The gospel... Jesus Christ one about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He rose from the dead. He has the power to forgive. He has the power to purge a dirty conscience. He has the power to change a person's life. Here we are in a world that's absolutely trapped by sin, and yet what's the message? It's okay, it's okay don't judge who are we to judge and we just basically say to people who are trapped you're stuck that's just the way it is and we think we feed them this positive notions that things will be okay it's not okay I'm here to tell you that God loves us and he has the power to change our lives while our heads are bowed and we're before God I want to give an invitation because there are people here today who need the power of God in your life. You need forgiveness, you need change. The gospel is available for you this morning. I'm not asking you to join a church, sign a creed, start trying to be a better person. Uh-uh. I'm here to say that if you will come to Christ as a sinner, say, Lord, I need forgiveness. I Jesus come into my life forgive me I admit my sin And I believe that you died and you rose and I need that power in me to lift me out of my situation the Bible says that a gospel seed will be deposited in your heart that has the power to change your life, wrench aside every habit everything that's oppressing you trapping you in sin that's the gospel. I believe it with all my heart. And I wonder while our heads are bowed, that if there are people here that would say, "Pastor Ruby, I want to do that." I realize my need for God's power to change. Would you pray for me? If that's you, while our heads are bowed, would you just raise your hand? And by raising your hand, you're saying, "I need prayer. God bless you. Thank you." These honest hearts lift up your hand all around this building. God bless you. Thank you. Pray for me. I want to give my life. God bless you. Thank you. Hands are going up. There's still others here this morning. Here's my hand, Pastor. I'm not right with God. God bless you. Who else? I need Jesus today. I need the power of God in my life. God bless these hands. Anybody else? I'm going to hold this just for a moment. Are there any others here? Perhaps you're backslidden. Maybe you walked with God at one time, but you're backslidden today. And the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. That same power that raised Christ from the dead and quicken your mortal body. You you don't have to be stuck today. I'm telling you, you don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be trapped. There's hope today, and that hope is found in Christ. Anybody else? Lift up your hand. Put it up high where I can see it. Thank God for these. Are there any others? I don't want to miss you. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Lift up your hand. Would you respond? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm not right with God all around this building. I want every one of you that lifted your hand, just to lift your head and look at me just for a minute. I want to pray for you. Amen. Lift your head and look at me just for a minute. Brother, I want to pray for you. Come on. Don't be embarrassed. Come on. I want to pray for you right now. Ma'am in the back here, you lifted your hand. Would you would you come? I want you to come. Just make your way right now. Don't be embarrassed. I need some uh, workers to help us. Praise the Lord. Just come right now. Don't be embarrassed. Come down right now. Anybody else? Come find a place to pray. These are coming. Are there any others? Just get, get out of your seat. Lifted your hand. Maybe you didn't, but you're saying, Pastor, I need this. I need Christ. There are people here, you've tried programs. You might even be in one right now. You have all the talk. You know all the language. But you're trapped in a dead body. The life of Christ can dwell in you this morning. He can change you. He can set you free. Does that mean we're perfect? I'm far from perfect, but I'm not who I used to be. The gospel changes lives. That power is there. I want to say to Christians this morning, we always have to deal with our own fallen sinful nature. You never outgrow it. I've been a Christian now for 37 years. You never outgrow it. We are not rehabilitated. We are regenerated. And that means that, you know what, if we stop praying, we stop growing or contending spiritually, that life can begin to grow weak in us and pretty soon old habits begin to take control of us and next thing you know we're living according to the flesh we're not led by the spirit but that old nature if you wake up one day and you find yourself acting the way you used to act the temper is back the self-pity is back you have to stop and say what has happened because the promise is not, hey, just try harder and I'll help you. The promise is the life has, is in the seed. And if I let that life live in me, if I grow that life, if I allow that life, you know what? It's Those old things, they can still be set aside. I can walk. God is a creative God and he can help me. I do not have to. There's a cynical thing about religion and that is that, oh yeah, all those Christians after 20 years, they all go back to being the way they used to be. I'm telling you it doesn't have to be that way. Let's stand together. Amen. And there are people here, you're saved, you love God, but the dead body is working right now. God really does want to help you. He really does want to work his will in your life. Let him minister to you this evening and morning. Amen. So Lord, I want the life of God living in me. I want your power, your power to dwell in me. I want to be a partaker of the divine nature. These altars are open. We're going to worship God. Amen. Amen. It's your blood that cleanses me. It's your blood that gives me life. It's your blood that took my place in re-